0: take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host Zivi Kivi Now welcome to the Balloon Artist
1: Podcast Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation what's up Zivi Kivi here and I'm really excited to have someone here today in the show that was in the show I think more than once even, Drew Ripley, you're back. Hi, Drew, how are you?
0: Hello, I'm good.
1: So just a reminder, Drew lives just in the outskirts of Toronto in a small city called... Kitchener. Kitchener, yeah. I actually should have been remembering that one. But Kitchener, yeah. And you've been through this pandemic in a totally different way. Your story is something that uh, I've been amazed by multiple times, like many, many times actually, every time I hear more details about it. And it is important to to look into the details and, and just understand like what some people have to go through in this situation. So before we go into your story, just to paint the picture, uh, if someone didn't hear the previous uh, interviews you did in Balloon Artist Podcast, in 2019, what made you excited about your journey as a balloon entertainer.
0: Oh, there's so much going on. I was building really rapidly. I had a 2020 that was looking phenomenal. I had a a theater show that I'd moving into a bigger theater. I had a a small show called Theater of Women's that we did a couple shows, a 65 person theater. I was aiming for one that was twice as large and many, many more shows. 2020 was looking like I was going to be doing somewhere around 250 performances like it was it was going to be a phenomenal year and it was all just sort of build up and that was also i guess 2019 i was also president of quartz lab that finished up this year in june so it was a very exciting time
1: so Uh, 2019 you were already building shows you were performing more and more you have your own theater show with a lot of very very talented people we've talked about that in the previous interview and then 2020 starts strong and then what happens
0: every client I had canceled everything. It all just went out the door. And it was fast. Like we went from like, we'd gone down to Twist and Show. We were, we were having a great time down there. We got home. And then a couple of weeks later, everything just stopped. So I went from a summer that looked like it would be the busiest ever to quite literally nothing. And um, Every purchase I had made just boxes of stuff that I've, you know, I've got to pay for and there's no clients anymore. It was abrupt and shocking. And I think most listeners have experienced some element of that.
1: And this is like you making a living at the time from being a performer, from being a, a producer of all sorts, like your show, your, like your work in the makerspace, that was actually a volunteer job.
0: Yeah, all of my work at Live was a volunteer job. I was a volunteer there for two years. Well, I still volunteer to a point, but uh, on the board for two years. But yeah, everything I did, like I was a full-time entertainer, hundred percent, and it's something that I took, well, basically my whole life to get to this point. But really aggressively over the last ten years, I was determined this is what I wanted to do. In the sheer number of events—it's kind of funny—I <laughs> look back, the number of events I've done in my life—it's—it's it's quite ridiculous. As anyone has, as time goes on, when you're full-time, events just start really piling up, and you love it. You live for it.
1: Yeah, I remember I was, had the privilege of visiting this guy in his cabin in the woods uh, in America. And it was a very cold place, not as cold as Canada, as Toronto, but pretty cold. And he told us like he warms his house with wood and with uh, like a fireplace. And if he will not every day walk like six hours on chopping woods, he will not survive the winter. It's literally a matter of if you're not walking during the summer, your winter is going to kill you. So and in Canada, if you're making a living from shows, you are going to suffer a downtime of some sort because of the weather. And in this case, the actual months where you need to accumulate are not making any money. What did you do?
0: Well, in my case, I so I went through a very, very frightening Two-week period where I went from what looked like the busiest summer I'd, I'd ever experienced in my life to having nothing. And I got a phone call from one of my clients. Actually, They're a, they were an education company. They still are an education company, although that that element is, is quite limited right now. And they needed help with their laser cutters. And thanks to Quartz Live, I was quite familiar with laser cutters and props that I had made. So I said, sure, I'll I'll come in and, and help out as best as I can. So I, I showed up at a relatively small building and there were a handful of lasers and they were doing pretty well, but they were certainly being quirky as laser cutters can be. And I just started working on trying to make run as effectively as I could. They were making face shields for doctors locally. So these are the plastic dividers that you wear on your head to separate yourself from a potential foreign contaminant.
1: So, that evolved by much, so tell us the story.
0: Well, the story is things got crazy, and I think everyone who's listening to this has experienced crazy to some extent. and in, in our case, I think I was employee number sixteen when I walked in the door. And at this point, we're at three hundred employees, and we're only oh, what are we at here? A little over four months. We make face shields, we make surgical masks and cloth masks and face shields for kids. The primary market uh, originally was doctors and nurses. So th- these are all medical devices. The company, in, in a very fast time, picked up a medical device establishment license, which in Canada is unheard of to get it quickly, but dedicated team of individuals that want to do it. And while I was there, I, it was funny because sometimes I think as entertainers, we, we are too hard on ourselves and we forget that we have a lot of other skills. In my case, I've been a maker my whole life too. There are things that I've been able to do and make, whatever. But I've also learned leadership and how to work in teams. And all of these skills helped in a situation that was definitely a crisis.
1: So you became an employee and you started to actually be a full-time manufacturer of protective gear that helps doctors save lives. And this whole company is wrapping up activities. And I remember the numbers of like just the number of employees that were growing in the company and eventually like pretty fast you were put into a supervisor position. What does that even mean?
0: So I became one of the floor production managers, which means during our day shift, we were twenty-four hours making these these face shields because we simply couldn't produce them fast enough. When you're dealing with a hospital situation, you want you want everyone protected as well as possible. Stop spread where it's actually gonna be the biggest bunch. And I was made of a floor production supervisor, which basically means my job was to make sure that everyone on the floor, we were producing as fast as we could, that we were getting boxes out, out the door, essentially at the right pace. And myself, as well as usually one to two other people would be with me, and we would have a crew of up to 100 people, which was pretty wild because day one, it was myself and one other person or sometimes two. And that growth happened in, I'd say, about eight, six to eight weeks. It grew that fast.
1: So that was quite a situation for you, I bet, because on the bright side of things, at least you're making a living, you're walking, right? And on the other side of things, all your friends have no income. You're not making any, any event with balloons or with smiling people. And this must have been heartbreaking for you.
0: Devastating. There's a financial loss, which is what it is. I'll get through that somehow. But there's also... I want my friends to be okay. I mean, I was the luckiest one out of all of them because I have an income. So I'm going to be able to get through this somehow. Canada has done some stuff to keep entertainers okay. We had a program that was developed, right? When I started, actually, the country went into total lockdown. like I mean, full lockdown. Everything shut down. If you were an event, game over. Just that's all there is to it. And all these people that I know are hurting and I'm very scared for them. We just have to get through this somehow.
1: And at the same time, you're doing something that is actually saving lives. You were getting letters from doctors and stuff like that?
0: Yeah. So the one of the things that really probably surprised a lot of people is that our product or our supply chains for medical equipment are uh, surprisingly fragile. We have a, a planetary-wide issue right now. And there simply isn't enough stuff to slow this thing down. So when we started producing, it was... Some of those days I would go in and still feeling kind of quite depressed about the fact that my, cat, Mike, and my phone would go off and say, hey, today you're doing this party. And I'm like, oh, I guess I got to cancel that. But it, you get into work and, and I would at least get a note saying, yeah, Dr. So-and-so just sent this really heartwarming note that thanks to your device or the devices you guys have been producing, that people could act like a person could actually come in during a medical emergency and save someone's life and so on. I mean, the, the reality is, well, put into a bad situation. If they don't have those things on. So we were getting some pretty heartfelt notes from doctors and nurses that were just like, thanks to this, I can actually do my job and try to save lives.
1: And you were also growing to a point where people had to be, become leaders and manage teams and supervise and tell us the, the process you went through with us.
0: It's a lot like a roller coaster ride with a lot of surprises. You can't see what's coming ahead and that was for all of us. We just there was an incredible level of trust that existed with the original team that I was brought into. Very grateful that I got to be part of that group. And it would just be things like we couldn't keep up with the demand. So we would keep adding people. And before long I had a, a small team I was working with. I became a, a press lead. I was working on a, a giant machine that produced these things. After a while, I sort of graduated from laser and into these big things. And then before long I was a supervisor. And Decisions had to happen fast. Like we don't have a lot of time to sit there and go over our merits or whatever because we've got to get this stuff out the door. And it's thanks to a lot of the things that I've done in the entertainment community where I have led projects and I've been very fortunate to be able to travel and and lead projects in other parts of the world that they recognized my skills and put me in a situation where, congratulations, now you're managing 70, 80 people. Go, get this stuff out the door. And then you throw in all the things that come with, manufacturing from keeping quality up and trying to keep your waste volumes down and you want everyone protected at the other end and you want, and then on top of that, we've got all these crazy rules that we had to follow related to the pandemic. It, to even be open as an operating facility, we had government rules to follow as well. So quite a process.
1: And I remember you've been very passionate about safety in the past. You've been a part of Team Canada and you've been doing all sorts of competitions. And uh, even with your big exhibitions or your theater of whimsy, you always cared about people's health with training on how to climb a ladder and whatnot. Even with your health and fitness awareness that we've discussed in the previous, in the first interview we had with you, you were about safety. So this probably came in handy here.
0: It was certainly helpful that I knew many of those things. I mean, the newest rule for us was in order to be an operating facility, everyone had to maintain six foot distance. That's just what I had to do. So I literally carried a measuring tape on me. And for fun, just so that everyone knows the measuring tape I had, we'd used in the theater of whimsy show. No, actually, we used it at twist and show. It was the measuring tape that Danny had where he'd uh, uh, marked all the way up the back, the number of fingers it took to measure balloons. So a useful measuring tape. And I actually had that measuring tape on me all the time and it was a little bright spot because at least I knew I had, you know, I had the community with me in some manner.
1: Yeah, that's funny. I also, I remember you got some embroidery made on your uniform.
0: Oh, flower clown, Ron Fowler, what a good man. I, again, I think it's fair to say that there's definitely depression that has hit. And I'm not talking about clinical, I'm saying that like, I, I am struggling with the fact that I'm not out there in the world being an entertainer. I miss the children, I miss my friends. This is a, a reasonable response, I, I believe. And I knew I was going to need something to help me get through. So I was going to need things to help me get through this process. This is out of our control. I can't control what the governments are up to or, or what this pandemic is. All I can do is try to be a little happier in, in the situation that we have. So I sent a note to Ron. I said, hey, do you have any of those little embroidered dogs left? I really could use them right now. And Wouldn't you know it? He he threw what he had into a little envelope, set it up, and we got it. You know, middle of the lockdown, mail still running. And for the longest time, I've been wearing overalls. And the overalls, each set of overalls has a balloon dog on it. I have three different colors a green one, a yellow one, and a pink one. And I think many leaders, many people in the balloon community know why I wear the green one. That green one means the world to me because it's more than just Debs, it's more than than her. It also is a incredible projects I've been part of with Aragami and the community. So there would be days where I would go into work and and I'd be elated that I had a job, I'm incredibly fortunate I had a job, but there's still that deep dark depression inside where it's like, I should be with my friends, I should be entertaining. It's okay, at least they're with me somehow. At least I've put something on me to say, hey, do this for them and and get through this somehow.
1: And getting through this was something that you did walking a lot of hours every day. But it also You've been hardworking, waking up very early every day and working on your own stuff towards the future. I mean, the entertainment niche. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Absolutely. So for me, everyone I've learned will react differently in an emergency. And in my case, I tend to sleep less and I just work harder. I don't know if that's necessarily the healthiest option, but I will. And what I found was that if I get up a couple hours before work, I have time for me, time for me to work on a future. I don't know when this future is going to happen. I hope it happens soon, but I have my time to work on my future. So generally speaking, the mornings are meant for office work for me. So I'll get up about two, three hours before work and I've put time into websites and so on and working steadily on some of the shows and coming up with funny little gags and so on. And then after work, I will put in time to look after my body. I'll do a workout if I can find the energy if it hasn't been too hot or too long a day. I think it's important to always be working on the future because we don't know what the future is. Even without the pandemic, you don't know what the future is. But you have to have something. I find I had to have something to work towards to always feel that something better was going to happen.
1: And uh, now that you're in this situation where you're also exposed to a lot of estimates on what will be the future, uh, they're sometimes quite pessimistic. How do you plan your future in the entertainment world?
0: Yeah, so it's it's pretty tough. you know, at the beginning we didn't know how long this was going to be. We were, you know, a couple of months will be out of this. It didn't look so bad, and then it started becoming very clear that we, this is going to be a much longer haul than any of us want, without a doubt. And I've been dabbling, of course, with virtual shows. I have been able to do that. I've been able to salvage a few of the the clients I had earlier, and virtual shows have been fantastic because they make me happy because i can see kids laughing on the other side it's certainly not the same as in person i would much rather be in person but i'm allowed to be so so be it this is the rules of the game right now so the virtual shows have absolutely helped at this point the country's at the point here where i can i can go out and do very small events i can do decor events at, at places i've been able to squeeze out a couple of those and and honestly they just they make me happy in a lot of cases though because i am employed i have deflected a lot of the business towards entertainers that are not employed right now. I just feel it's the right thing to do. Uh, and I've, I've talked with a couple clients and just been very clear with them what's where my position is and, and who do they actually need.
1: And what are your aspirations then for uh, 2021?
0: Well, I think for me, I've always been an optimist and I believe that 2021 is going to be better. Uh, granted, the bar is kind of low right now. So 2021 will definitely improve. I'm hoping that summer of 2021 at least locally i'll be able to do some shows and i'll be able to be out on the equivalent of my weekend and have some fun and get into a position where people are laughing and enjoying themselves again it's impossibly difficult to predict anything i were to say right now about where i think Canada's is going to be or the world or whatever totally useless wait 24 hours it'll change again so i've made it up a bit basically what i think is going to happen for me and what i hope is going to happen and right now i hope by the summer of next year i'm at least doing doing shows of some kind
1: well we all are in the same boat and are in this situation where we have no no clarity no uh way of knowing what will really happen this thing is constantly changing and evolving and there are lockdowns and there are reopenings and there are second waves and then there are lockdowns again and who knows what will happen in the end of the year and like with all of the other stuff that can happen. All we can say right now here when we're recording this in August of 2020 that I'm happy for you too for having a job for finding a place of comfort or on providing value to the world, a service that is very much needed. And I think that it's inspiring to see how you push yourself, even in these days, to at least advance yourself in some way in your journey as an entertainer. And I want to say thank you, Drew, for, for all that you do, and also for the inspiration on Facebook and for just uh, sharing everything here with us.
0: Thanks for that. I, it's just, we got through this somehow. I think the, the best thing I did was I looked back to what the last 100 years was like. You go through 1900, 2000. And there were some pretty dark times in the last century, you know, really awful times. And and it's almost like we just got lucky. And, and this generation now gets to have its own round of darkness that we have to get through. It's not fair. It's not right. Everyone's going through this somewhat differently. And I just hope we get through it. That's all we can do. Just keep working for a better day. There will be a better day someday. We just yeah. have to get there somehow and look wow. after each other. Be kind.
1: Yeah. Remember, you're not alone, too. Well, yeah. no, you guys listening right now like we we are here for each other and we will get through this
0: i think that's actually something that's helped me a lot too is that my own journey is my own journey it is a very unusual journey this is everyone's is and right at the beginning to actually get you know these little things that came to we were having incredibly long days at the factory so i had different problems these little patches they mean everything to me the patches represent the community that i'm part of and there have been many conversations I've had with people when I haven't slept because of the stress of this. And we can still all be there for each other somehow because there will be a better day at some point. And that, that is really, really important. The community still exists. We will get through this somehow.
1: Amen. Thank you again, to Ripley. And thank you, everyone, for listening for the Balloon Artist Podcast. And this time, not on your way to a gig, but just listening. Thank you for caring, and we will see you next week in Balloon Artist Podcasts. Bye bye.